Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined as always by Darby Robinson. And before we start today's episode, just a quick, I think a little notice. Uh, It's been a few weeks since we put out our last episode. I am in the middle of a, a big move to a different state. I'm actually moving to Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, so super excited to be a Durham Bulls season ticket holder next year. Uh, and I've never been to a Durham Bulls game, so that's exciting. But anyways, that's besides the point. Uh, the point is, uh, that's why we haven't been uh, on the podcast in the last couple of weeks, but we will be getting back to regularly scheduled programming, especially as we get closer to the postseason, which the Rays have clinched for the fifth straight season. Uh, we will be bringing back uh, the D-Rays Bay Instant Reaction Series to some extent. The home of that instant reaction show slash podcast to be determined. But we are getting close to the postseason. We're entering the last two weeks of the regular season. So Darby, postseason's in the bag. We've got some huge stadium news and the division is still up for grabs. So before we get into the stadium news, I just kind of want to get your, your, I want to take your temperature on the Rays where they're at right now in a couple sentences. I think nothing can be understated about going to the postseason five straight times. I think that's the the overall thing, right? And I think there's a lot of differing vibes. I I can get down on the fact that like just the Rays seemingly cannot get over the hump to to beat the Orioles this year to to take this division, and and they're still within I guess theoretical shooting distance. But honestly, it doesn't it's not gonna it's not happening. They're they're definitely not taking it, but. They are still within that shooting distance, but it, it cannot be overstated. As much as like maybe a disappointment in not finishing first in the division is, this is still a team that has eyes on 100 wins. But most importantly, five straight postseason appearances. I I uh, I, I tweeted this out. Um, Trisha mentioned, you know, kind of like this a similar thing. Basically, uh, Trisha Whitaker mentioned like how like going to the postseason five straight times is is. That's a that's amazing. That's a huge feat. The Seattle Mariners have been to the postseason five times. They've been around since 1977. They've been to the postseason five times total. This will be the fifth straight year. That that cannot be overstated. So, yes, you can be high on this team right now. You can be low on this team. You can think they're going to win in the postseason. You can think they're going to lose in the postseason. You can think somewhere in between. You can be worried about the injuries, blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, five straight postseason appearances is incredible. And we are 
almost spoiled by that, but we should not lose that perspective because that's that's just that's what yeah. baseball is all about is having meaningful games in September and then getting to play in October. Yeah, and and we'll we'll go more in depth later on, but the last thing I'll say is the Rays still lead the American League in run differential. Um, they have the second best record in the American League. The fourth best record in actually no, they might have a better record than the Dodgers. No, they're like a half game behind the Dodgers. Um, still one of the best teams in baseball. A lot of that propelled by that incredibly hot start. Those games still count. And if it weren't like if, if July was just average and not horrible, like this is an all time team. Uh, for the Rays and, and probably a runaway division winner. So we'll get into that later. We'll talk about the Orioles. We'll talk about what's coming up in the postseason. Uh, but the biggest news of the week, and this is something that will impact this franchise for decades, uh, was the announcement of a deal reach with St. Petersburg in Pinellas County to redevelop the Tropicana field site, field site and build a new stadium that is expected to open ahead of the 2028 season. And, and Darby, we, we knew that the Rays and Hines, who is the global development group uh, that were put in a bid to redevelop this Tropicana Field site, that they won that selection process, that they were selected by Mayor Ken Welch, and I don't know who else is, is a part of that decision-making process. But we knew that before the season started, the next step was figuring out, okay, how are we going to pay for this? Mm-hmm. And we, have heard, we had heard rumblings throughout the year that Hillsborough County and city of Tampa still thought they were in the race, even though the Rays and Hines had been selected to redevelop this. Finally, though, the money made sense for not only Stuart Sternberg and the Rays, but also Pinellas County and St. Petersburg. The biggest takeaway, because we can go, we're going to go into the nitty gritty of how this is being paid for, what this is going to look like, but the Rays for the first time in, in, and I don't know how long, like there is not an ounce of like worry or stress in my body that they are going to be leaving the Tampa Bay area. That was the big promotion. Like they have a logo for it and everything. We're here to stay. And that's the first time we've definitively heard that really ever with this franchise. And so that makes me happy. What are your thoughts? That's the biggest thing right there. You You nailed it. This is full-throated endorsement now this isn't we really want this to work we would love to stay but like you know canada half the year isn't the worst idea it's not that it's been to sue's credit he hasn't said that he hates this area and wants to leave and he has acted in a way that has clearly been interested in keeping the team at least in part of this media market which is smart because there is no better there is not one better media market out there that they could relocate to that would be a worse media market no matter what nashville montreal especially uh las vegas like these are things that already have higher competition but like this is now like yes there's a logo there's Stu saying we're gonna be right here this is where it is it's the full-throated endorsement that this is now a team that's staying in this area, that's staying in this region, that's not going to leave, that's not flirting, it's not eyes, it's not, we really want to stay, but if you don't, then we'll go that way. And it's not, we really want to do this, 
if you pay. This is now agreed, signed. We will pay this. You will pay this. Let's let's do it. And the the fact that it was so heavily in that uh in that press conference uh, with the logo with the marketing on on Twitter immediately afterwards and Instagram and all the socials for the team and a logo out in the field uh, or on the stadium. It's all on the, we're here to stay, you know? And like we saw, we saw this with like Oakland before they had a stadium deal, trying to be the rooted in Oakland that seemed more of a cynical way. But for this, it's like the first time that the Rays and Rays fans have been able to actually like, have that like they didn't even have the cynical like we are staying it was oh it was never in south they never even made the graphic design because they were like if you don't have the money we aren't guaranteeing we're staying this is now finally like something you can you can be like uh, wait off the shoulders uh to to not have this 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 sort of damocles just like hanging over the head of people in the tampa bay area and this, I, I don't know, like, I've been very supportive of, of Stuart Sternberg on this podcast. I think I've been critical when it, when criticism is called for. Um, the, the, the stadium saga, particularly the last six, seven years, going back to, was that 2016 or 2017, when the Ebor plan uh, was rolled out? Uh, I want to say it was like 2017. I, I want to say 17 as well. And but. It, it, it came with this like marketing tag, like Rays 2020. And everyone's like, oh, new stadium in Ebor in 2020. And then the Rays were like, no, like that's that's not really what that means. It's like 2020 vision or something else. Uh, there was when that plan was rolled out, and we got these beautiful renderings. Uh, the big question is, all right, how are we going to pay for it? Well, we don't know yet, um, but we, <laughs> we'll figure it out. You don't you don't ever get swayed. This is a is a lesson. You never get swayed by beautiful renderings and they were gorgeous. I yeah. I will say. Absolutely. I kind of like them more than well, I want to get to the renderings in a second, but I like the Evil ones a little more than this one. Those were gorgeous. Those were really gorgeous as the stadium designs go. Uh really really pretty. Um but the but the most important thing, the most important thing and it's why I never could get it's why I never felt the weight leave the shoulders it was like great uh ebor is a cool place it's in tampa that would be awesome these stadium designs look awesome but like i saw a lot of Rays fans get so excited and i was like i'm cautiously optimistic but until and but every time every answer like you said afterwards was like oh there's no plan there's no <laughs> there's no plan they don't have money it's like because that was the whole thing is the the entire thing for as long as this state, so Stuart Sternberg bought this team in what, 2006. And for as long as he has owned this, 2005 or 2006, one of the, one of those. 05 was when he became. 05, 05. Principal owner. In that time, they have been looking for a new stadium. When the Rays became, when the Devil Rays came into existence, Tropicana Field was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like they, they have never they have always been in an antiquated like place it's yeah and we both i think are defenders of the trop that it is not nearly as bad as people want to claim 
to it because I think if you actually go see, see a game there, it's like, oh, this is actually not too bad. Like this is actually and, and, much better. And another credit to to, to Stu in, in the race front office, they have not stopped upgrading the drop. I think there were a few years it was stagnant when they thought they were going to get out of there before the lease ended. And then when mm-hmm. they realized, okay, we're going to be here through 2027, they put in the proper, they put the investment in to make it a more enjoyable experience. And, and it's, and it showed, it showed on TV, it showed in person. It's, it's, they, they have spent money in, in that place, even though it is not a long-term home. Uh, I think the the key to this whole thing was St. Petersburg for the longest time St. Petersburg had the money. Tampa did not. And for a long time, there was some very big political fights and absolute huge uh, just posturing from, you know, owners and mayors and St. Petersburg didn't want to let the Rays do any kind of searching in Tampa. And they eventually did, but it was a limited time. And the process has been such a mess for so many years. And when the Eborth plan came about, there was like this bit of hope, like, hey, this could actually happen. But there was a deadline to raise a lot of money. And it was like, if you don't have that idea, and I think the whole plan was have this design and then be have that be a pressure. And there, and I mean, I guess to Tampa's credit, I will say this, and the and the various mayors uh, of Tampa during this stadium saga, they've never come close to caving. They have basically been like, we're just not going to give you a lot of money. Like, we're just not going to spend tax dollars on this. They're going to spend some, but they're like, you're going to have to front most of it. And I think the biggest thing is they're saving those tax dollars to give them all to the Glazer family and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because they're not going to, they're not, I will say this, they're not saving that tax dollars to improve schools. They're saving it to give, they're not going to, they have no problem giving $800 million to a sports franchise and a billionaire. It's just the bucks are the bigger cash cow. So I don't, don't, don't think I'm a product of the Hillsborough County school system. I can, I can vouch for that. I don't don't think I'm Pollyanna here thinking like, oh, they're they're really standing up for their principles and being like, we can pave the roads. They're like, no, they're still going to give hundreds of millions of dollars and it's going to line the pockets of some billionaire. It's just it's a it's the one that's been making a little bit more money for them. And that's fine. Whatever. That's that's its own. That's its own can of worms to talk about. But St. Pete has always had the money and, and the interest because. Again, this is a huge development plan. This is a $6.4 billion development plan. And they cannot put a shovel in the ground until there's an agreement because the Rays are still in this lease until 2027. So it's been a kind of an interesting back and forth where, yes, spending tax dollars on sports stadiums is never like a great financial investment. Uh, it's There's a lot of literature about this, but they also really have a lot of development they want to get started. And so this is almost an investment in buying land from somebody that's, they own the land, but the raised lease basically locks them out from any development for another six years. And so that's a, that's a long time. That's our five years. And that's a long time to have to just like, wait, these projects, this stuff, like it's, it, it can fall apart. And so that's a long time to wait. So, it's a plan that like finally for the first time there is a stadium rendering and now an agreement on how to pay for what is in that rendering. Yeah. 
and not just we'll see we'll we'll get people's money we'll ask money for uh, from people and you know you can do that maybe if you're trying to raise like you know i don't know a couple hundred bucks can't do that if you're trying to get build a 1.1 billion dollar stadium yeah um a, a couple other interesting things and I, I read this in the tampa bay times and I, I wasn't sure i don't remember whether or not Stu made these comments um, at the press conference or in an interview afterwards. Um, but he, he mentioned and kind of poked fun at, and I think as we know, like Stu, when he does talk to the media, uh, he's not like rolling out some sister city plan. Like he's a pretty personable, funny guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he opened up the press conference joking about uh, the the stadium rendering from where the, where the Alang is at in downtown St. Pete. And he's like, we're here to announce a new stadium with a, a sale and, uh, anyway, so going to the Tampa Bay <laughs> Times article, uh, he mentioned some of the other sites that um, I'm sure the team had considered, but that people in the public had considered and the media had considered. And one that I think I was a big proponent of for a long time um, was at the fairgrounds in Hillsborough County. Mm-hmm. It's like where I-75 and I-4 meet. So it opens you up to the Orlando market a little bit more and people coming up and down I-75 and there's large population bases there. Um, and, and, and what Stu said, I, I really, I, I think I really appreciate it is he said, we didn't really just want, and I'm not, this is not me quoting him. This is just me paraphrasing. We didn't want a stadium off the highway with a big parking lot, uh, which is what we've seen, I think, happen a lot over the last 30, 40 years in terms of stadium design and stadium location. Um, some examples of that are like, this is a little bit older, but Kaufman in Kansas city. And now mm-hmm. they're, they're thinking of moving that. Um, you didn't want to just drive down 75 and see this giant uh, concrete field uh, with a with a baseball stadium. They wanted something a little more walkable, something a little more ingrained in the community. And I think to Steve's credit, he brought up uh, places like like Fenway Park and Wrigley Field, uh, a couple other places. Um, and, and while St. Petersburg will never be Boston or Chicago or New York, uh, there is the potential to have a future with a stadium in the middle of a community um, that can become that community's ballpark in that city's ballpark. I think that's something that probably uh, Ken Welch likes to hear too, uh, because while I'm happy about this move, uh, Ken Welch is motivated politically in this. He will now be the mayor that saved the Rays, that kept the Rays in St. Pete and whatever uh, aspirations he has politically, he'll be able to use this agreement uh, as something he can he can fly his flag for. So overall, like I'm I'm really excited. I think there are some interesting aspects. Um, the development of the area and how long it's going to take is something that I don't know. I'm I'm kind of concerned about. Um, we had this discussion a little bit in Slack, but the Rays are the last franchise to not have hosted an All Star game. And you'd assume that their name will be placed on the list with the new stadium. So at the earliest 2028, but my question is what will this, I don't even know what we call this, the the redevelopment plan. How far along will we be on that? Because first things first, you got to build the stadium and then you can't do anything with where the trop currently sits until 2028 because the Rays will be playing in it through 2027. Then you have to knock that down and rebuild on it. So, like, what's the earliest that the Rays could host an all-star game? Do you think? I mean, we don't know the answer, but is that a concern for you too? 
Honestly, not that much. <laughs> I, I know it, it like it's I, I don't I think it's I think it is a interesting thing. Right. Uh, I, I do think it's something that could take a while, but not I'm not particularly worried about the all. That's the least of my worries. Right uh, yeah, now. I'm like, not worried about I'm, I'm just saying don't expect it in like 2028 or 2029. Like, I, I don't know. It might be later on in the 30s. I could see, I could actually see them hosting it there when the trop is still standing and just using that as like the fairground oh, space. Uh, so like I could, I could absolutely see it in 2028 as just sort of a big like swing and it's before you're getting all the rest of the development, but you can still like have the downtown corridor. And then the trop is a basically, you know, I, I'm trying to think like when the, I, cause I went to the all-star game here in Seattle and basically Lumen field uh, and they, they have a large sort of indoor sort of space next to Lumen Field, which is uh, game day, like a bunch of like vendors and things like that. That was used for all-star stuff. So I think you could have the TROP and the TROP site be all-star experience like or that. sections of that. And then the stadium itself is your all-star thing. So I actually don't I, I don't think it's gonna be as big of an issue. It's not gonna be like the battery that just like appears out of yeah. out of you know the desert all done, but I don't think it's like by the time it's all finished, it'll be probably like 20, 30 years. But like that's that's uh by the time it gets to those beautiful like grassy knolls and renderings right. and like food, like all that, that is a long-term thing, right? It is thinking very, very long-term, but uh, in the meantime, I think you're going to have a good stadium and then you do have the trop. You can use it before you just implode it. Like, a, and I think the timing of 2028 actually could actually work quite well to just be yeah. like, okay, the last hurrah for the trop is an all-star celebration. And then immediately after like just, July, like the day after it explodes. That's the end of the All-Star game <laughs> is you go outside and you just watch the drop implode. Yeah, it'd be perfect. And because that's fans of every team are going to be in town for the All-Star game. And they all would love to get a piece yes. of rubble. Imagine selling off to how much would a Yankee and Red Sox fan pay for some of that catwalk they can take home and 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 do God knows what unforgivable things to like this. This is great. They could they could spend enough money to to sign a big free agent on just out of pure hatred for the trop that that fans around the league have developed. So uh, I, I love this. Yeah, I, I think that's the plan. That's the real plan. L let's talk about the stadium renderings. Um, wh what do you think? I really like them. Okay, I, I don't know. I, I think it's been, I think, mostly positive I've seen from a lot of folks. I know there's been some some folks have had, like, disagree. But like, I think, for the most part, these have been pretty well received, at least online, that I've seen. Um, the things that I really, really like about these, these renderings, uh, and it still feels very early in the process, but, like, I think the, the concepts that they are looking for that I see in the renderings that I'm a huge fan of that are, are present. And I like what, what I'm seeing one, a ton of glass and natural light. I think a, a fixed roof is essential. We're the Miami Marlins have a, a retractable roof. I think they've had it open for like three times in, yeah. in like the last <laughs> in, in its entire existence. Like you don't sit outside. Nobody wants to be outside in Florida in the summertime. It's a nightmare. Anybody else that's like, oh, it's hot. Who cares? I beg of you to spend 
30 minutes outside, not on the beach, not where you can get in the water, inside, sitting down amongst 30,000 other people and tell me you love that. No, you don't. Well, it's you want like the, the, three, the three home games on the calendar where it just has nice weather. Is that worth an extra like $250 million? <laughs> like... Absolutely not. No. So I think you go fix roof, but you go like you make it really good. And the things that I really wanted, and, and I'm and I've been thinking about this since the since the Ebor Stadium, really, is you can do it so that it doesn't feel claustrophobic, it doesn't feel like a cave. You can do it where you are allowing in a lot of natural light. Uh the Minnesota Vikings Stadium is a gorgeous example of this. Fixed roof, huge amount of light coming in. Uh, the new Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, uh, the old Key Arena redone. It's literally underground. You basically go in and go immediately down. But there is these cool glass panels that let light in from the street. And you can actually walk and look through the glass into the stadium. These renderings kind of show some of that. There's like a big floor-to-ceiling uh, glass in center field. There's huge amounts of glass uh, throughout the upper deck in the outfield and then up by the roof. It looks like wrap around all light. Plus there's this sort of cross pattern in the ceiling that has looks like uh, light and glass going in that way. So having a lot of natural light is spectacular. Um, somebody also mentioned online and I had to look it up because I didn't know it, but the Nippon Ham Fighters Stadium in the in, in the Japanese Baseball League has this awesome huge wall of glass out in center field like a massive full outfield of of glass that's a gorgeous thing so i i think uh i think that all of that natural light will be so fun to be able to have this you know indoor intimate experience but also be able to have the city in the background have the natural light and sunset be in the background have those lightning storms be yeah. be seen and visible in the background uh i also saw in the rendering that i really liked is it looks like a massively large either two or big wraparound raised tank slash aquarium mm -hmm. i think that's one of the most unique and cool things about the tropicana field is that touch tank and i think you can just go bigger go huge go absolutely develop an actual really nice aquarium and hire the people to maintain that. And now you have a really cool attraction for people of all ages, you know, families to go enjoy. And lastly, the thing that I really liked about is just looking around the renderings, I see a lot of standing room and a lot of party decks. Those are ways you're going to see increased ticket pricing. One, it's a new stadium. Two, it's a smaller capacity. So every seat is going to be closer and better. So you're not going to have probably as many cheap seats as you're going to get, but it does look like there are standing room and party decks, which potentially means you can get some standing room tickets for those cheap tickets and still have a great experience. So a lot of good sight lines, it's looking like a lot of good places. Again, you want to be able to be downtown, check out some great bars, walk to the stadium, catch a game, drink with some friends, head out afterwards get some dinner and, and and make it a whole evening rather than just drive, go to a game, drive home. You that's what they really want to do. And that and the stadium is looking like it has a lot of that that feel to it. Standing room, lots of natural light and and a big, big aquarium. Those those are things that I saw in that immediately I really, really liked. And I think there's there's uh so far so so good with these renderings to me, at least. Yeah. In my in my design choice. No, 
I, I quite like them. I, I think my my fear is uh, that you like you look at the uh, the renderings of Globe Life Field when they first rolled them out, and then reality maybe it looks a little more darker, a little more cavernous than uh, the renderings would have led you to believe. And so I think it's important to remember like this is concept art, not a blueprint. Like it might not look exactly like this by the time the stadium opens in 2028. Um, the area surrounding looks incredible. Um, it's got, uh, what's the name of it? It's like Booker Creek that runs alongside the Trop now, um, like runs over, I think, next to where Ferg's is located. Uh, they they show a lot of greenery. Uh, I think that would be great. Mm-hmm. There's supposed to be an African-American history museum, um, some apartment buildings. They're hoping to get um, some corporate offices, I, I think there's a lot of potential for the area and it's drawing, and I think rightfully so, a lot of comparisons to the battery uh, in Atlanta or in, in the suburbs of Atlanta. Uh, what would be cool about this is this is really more ingrained in downtown St. Pete and it's kind of, it's not like the downtown hub. I think it's still technically downtown, um, but it kind of extends downtown St. Pete and you've still got tons of great like restaurants and bars and things to do on Central Avenue alongside Tropicana Field, and the more you develop the area on the TROP site, uh, I think is going to be really great. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know if there's any parking, like designated parking areas. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they'll figure that out. A lot of times you have to, based on state and local laws, probably garages somewhere. Um, But overall, how do you feel about the, the, the renderings of the entire redevelopment site? I think there's some really ambitious stuff. It, it looks good. It looks really good. Um, again, it we, with renderings, we always do sort of say, you know, I worked in uh, the National Mall in D.C. and we would get, you know, these designs for new memorials and, 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 and places and architects can really put a lot of creativity into those designs and then not think about like, how does this actually mean right. maintained? How does it look? You know, how many infinity pools can you do? with like an infinity flame and then that flame breaks the first day and it's never on. So it doesn't like really work. And, and like the pools break because like water moving is constantly just like breaking. So like, there's a lot of the, you know, in theory, in this design, in this picture, everything's working great. And then in reality, you're just like one kid away from splashing in the pool and having diarrhea from ruining your entire design forever. Uh, I think the big key is if they do invest in all that green space uh, that would be really cool. I'm not sure if they will. I know they're going to try to have some of that, but I there is you know the, a little bit of hopefulness there. I, I am excited about the thing, the like the African American History Museum, the the idea of making it like this connected, walkable area. I think those are things that those are the designs I like to see. Walkability in cities and downtown scapes. It's just, it's the best way to design things, right? Like I, we are a very car centric culture, but like at least being able to park and then not need to use your car and being able to go from a museum to a restaurant, to a stadium, to a bar, to wherever, all without, you know, with walking or public transportation, 
that's that's kind of the dream. That's what you want to see. You don't want to have to be like, okay, it's over here. And then you have to go seven miles over this way. And then you have to go over this way. Mm-hmm. Walkability is so important to me. Good public transportation is so important to me. So I like that this is part of the central thesis of the design. How much we get, we'll see. But like that is the the, the goals, the ideas they've laid out are really, really good. So I, I hope it gets yeah. as close to this as possible. Yeah. And I, being able to like spend a day there where, you know, the Rays play at night, you walk around, you grab some drinks, you go to the museum. Um, when I was in, uh, what was it, eighth grade, uh, we would do, I don't remember what, it wasn't the Dali Museum, there's another museum, but we did it every year at my school, the eighth graders did a Ferris Bueller's Day Off field trip where you do a museum like they do in the film and then you go to a baseball game. And so they would always find like a day game where we do the museum in the morning and then go to the Rays game. But I, I just like think of all sorts of possibilities like that where for, for people of all ages can go and have a good time. Like you said, though, very ambitious. We'll see, uh, you know, when we uh, record uh, this episode in, uh, you know, 2036, we'll, we'll, we'll give you guys an update. on. on how we'll do it. We'll do an update. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the thing that, I like about the design really it does it does seem like it takes a lot of those ideas from like you know downtown like the uh gas lamp district uh in San Diego where you have a stadium downtown where you can walk from bar or restaurant uh right to the stadium and back you you see these these kind of beautiful like in in it you know type of type of stadiums uh the Nationals Park was built kind of in the middle of not a, a super great neighborhood um, on waterfront. And now that whole area has been kind of gentrified to, to all, all hell, but like it's, it's now like hotels and restaurants and bars and the whole area has transformed and that's transformed in a very rapid time. I mean, that that's like within 10 years that went from like not much around it uh, to a ton of like tour, like tourist central, Right. And that's that's just within a decade of like mass development. Uh, so I think I think there's a lot of changes can happen very quickly. Um, and and again, that's you can be totally fair of saying I don't like that because you can look at the waterfront and, and sort of say, like, I don't love what they did there, too, uh, down in uh, in Washington, D.C. But I think just as a general rule of like transforming an area into something, what I look at with where the trop is, there's. You're, I see the vision of why St. Petersburg was so excited to potentially do this because you have a, a fascinatingly fast moving and growing downtown area that looks so dram- dramatically different than when I was growing up down there. Uh, and you can just the trop is right there. You can walk right to it. Uh, but there's not a lot to walk to in that like mile or so stretch. But uh, soon, potentially there will be. Definitely. Uh, well, let's move back to the baseball. Uh, the Rays had a huge series against the Baltimore Orioles this past weekend where taking three out of four would have been good, uh, but to put them in the best spot possible, obviously it would have been a four-game sweep um, because the biggest thing, and I think it's something that I've had to constantly remind myself of when I look at the standings, is there are no more game 163. There are tiebreakers now, and the first tiebreaker is head-to-head. And the Orioles had been performing well against the Rays. There's also less games for intra-division opponents. And so the Rays really needed to go in there to, and get a sweep. 
which is a lofty goal. But when you win the first two games, I think I think Rays fans we were we were feeling really great about it and where the team was. And then ultimately, uh, you know, you team kind of laid an egg on Saturday. You had Tyler Glass now pitching. It was probably the most favorable pitching matchup of the weekend. Uh, and then Sunday, an exciting game. You think you have a chance to win. The Orioles walk it off in extra innings. Um, some uncharacteristic bullpen performances. Pete Fairbanks going out for two innings, which I don't love that decision at all. Uh, ultimately, the Orioles and the Rays split the series. The Orioles remain in first place by a couple of games. And now uh, the Rays dropped a game against the Angels. They didn't win the series today. But two games back, Orioles are yet to play. I think they're just about to start uh, as we mm-hmm. record. So maybe a game and a half back uh, by the end of tonight. And it'd be uh, two. See- it'd be two. Cause they have a game on. So it's, it's two and a half, but with the tie break, right. currently we're sitting basically three and a half back. That's where Pretty the Rays are yeah. at. That's and a lot. So with, with very few games remaining, like you put it into perspective, uh, the Rays have eight games left. If they go like let's say they go six and two, which means they would finish with a hundred wins, the Orioles in their last ten games would have to only win like they'd have to win. They go like four and six, mm-hmm. uh, which is just like the way they're playing right now uh, is hard to fathom. Um, we mentioned it when we opened the podcast, like it. You, you look at April and you look at July and you eliminate them, right? You eliminate the best month, you eliminate the worst month. And what you have is a very good postseason team, a, a wild card team. I mean, a wild card team in a division where you can win 100 games and still lose the division. Um, right. So I, I don't think it's to take away anything from the Rays, but they've like finishing second. If you think about everything that's happened this season, you say, okay, like that's, that's kind of fair. And I'm almost at the point where like, okay, sure. If every starting pitcher had stayed healthy, they could have won this thing, but like, you can't expect that. Um, mm-hmm. I, but up with how everyone's performed since they lost Juan or Franco, like I'm not even thinking, wow, if only that terrible thing had never happened, uh, would this have changed our fortunes? I, I'm pretty, like satisfied. Like this is how well the Rays have played. Someone played better than them in the division. When they played head to head, Baltimore has shown they're the the better team. They deserve to win it. I think it's fair. I, I think Baltimore has been the best team in the American League. I think you can look at statistically, you know, things that they they don't they don't excel at. But I think over the course of 162 games. There is only so much you can say and just chalk up to luck. You can get luckier over the course of, of 161 season. You can run really hot in one one run games like they have. But 162 games, that kind of regular season, that's what it's all about. You have the most wins after all of that. You deserve all of the rewards that come with that. Yeah. It also... Baseball is fun that way because after the course of that, you can be the luckiest team on earth. But if you do it over the course of the year, suddenly that luckiness, you you can't even like be like upset about it. You got to just be like, damn, like this is just their year. Like this is the team of destiny. Like, I don't know. Baltimore goes into Houston. They give up like a million runs and, and they still nearly sweep Houston. 
who has everything to play for. They like bullied Houston in their own house by like a like a healthy margin. Like that, like at a certain point, you're just like, well, heck, they're just the best team. They they have won a game against every single team in all of Major League Baseball this year. They're the first team to ever do that because now we have like sort of split yeah, it wasn't possible and like everything this year. <laughs> yeah, so so it's uh, you know, take that Cleveland Spiders and. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's like it's it's completely. It's so have completely, they never have they not been swept at all this year? They have not been swept in in nearly. Two, they have not been swept since Adley Rushman became a major leaguer. Wow! So Adley Rushman has never experienced what a sweep feels like in, in Major League Baseball. He he has to be explained that to him because he just he just doesn't he doesn't he's swept others. But he doesn't understand what the feeling this way. So they it just they've just done the best, right? They've just done the best. And the only thing you can be annoyed about as a Rays fan is that you are the second best team, and yet you have to play now. You have to watch a 92 win like Astros club have a bye week. And the 84 win twins club ha- hosts a playoff series against the last wild card team and you have to host a two you know best of best get to two uh, against a potentially surging wild card club mm-hmm. so th- that's just i think over in general that's the thing you can be upset about it's not about the orioles it's about baseball doesn't recede I've long sort of stated I don't like divisions. Uh, I think it's more fun to just have this long, grueling, regular season, maybe two leagues, and then it's just who are the best X number of teams, and then let's see them go in the postseason. But this is the way it works. The Rays' curse is that they are in the best division in all of baseball. And... Hopefully that means that the teams that come out of it, like Baltimore and and Tampa Bay, are more hardened. But it also means that Tampa Bay will now have to also have the toughest run, which is whoever wins the next wild card spot, you have to beat them at uh-huh. the drop. And then you have to go to Baltimore. Whereas the winner of the West out of that car crash gets a bye week. And then faces either the AL Central winner or the sixth wild card spot to the LCS. It's a it's a it's a tough situ- situation, but the thing with October is you throw everything <laughs> from the regular season because now it's a new mini game. Yeah, in, in looking at the Orioles, since uh, this is really what that conversation is about, once they get to the postseason. Their, their, their rotation right now, Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, who's a rookie, Dean Kramer, John Means, Kyle Gibson. I know that pretty much all of those pitchers are having, and John Means they just got back, but the rest of those guys are, are having good years, and I don't want to take anything away from them. Not the same type of uh, – doesn't strike fear in your opponents the same way a Tyler Glass now, or a Zach Eflin. And I'll probably leave the list at that for the race. Um, obviously, like you'd love to have Shane McClanahan 
Savale, I think, is probably going to be the third postseason starter. Sure, like he's fine. Um, that trade was definitely more about him having control than him going out and helping you win a World Series this year. Um, and he's been he's been the second best pitcher traded at the deadline. Yeah, no, like he's that, been good. He, that's that's also the thing. It's like there wasn't a better. I, I think that's if you look. That's the other thing too. I know that trade's gotten some. He had a he had a bad start against the Angels. He had a really bad start. It, like that happens. Uh, bad time to have a bad start. But the the fact remains, like the deadline, the Padres didn't sell. The Angels didn't sell. A lot of teams didn't sell. They all immediately lost a bunch of games afterwards. But like the people that did get traded, like Jack Flaherty over to Baltimore, it's been awful. Lance Lynn, it's been awful. Rich Hill been awful uh lucas giolito has been awful for two teams like it, it's been really rough it's basically savali max scherzer and justin verlander and max is out for the season so yeah. that's that's the that's a a very limited list of like players that could have actually impacted you so that's that's the volume so he is probably he's gonna pitch what whether it's uh again that that potential game three is like savali for three innings and then Latell for two innings and then bullpen day. like, but he, he's going to pitch like the Rays. Yeah. They, uh, again, they don't really care about starters versus relievers. And, and, and I would definitely take uh, Savale and probably Latell to start a game over Taj Bradley. Um, I'm, I'm very high on Taj Bradley long-term. Uh, we've seen some issues with his command at the big league level, although he is coming off a really solid start against the angels. I don't want to see him in a postseason environment, especially not in that wild card round where you only have three games. I don't think he will. I don't even know if he makes the roster in a three-game series. He'll be one of those bubble guys, depending on if they want to use him as a reliever or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, they could go either way on that. Um, a couple we'll, – we'll wrap the show on this because uh, the Rays, uh, they're still in it for the division, but they're most likely going to be the first wild card spot, which means they will – um, host the second wild card team in a three-game series at Tropicana Field in two weeks. The roster, we're not going to do, we'll do, probably do our roster prediction next week when the picture is a little more clear. Maybe it won't be. Maybe the Rays are back in it for the division by the next time we record. Um, we won't do our roster prediction for that first round. But there is there has been some interesting news, some interesting promotions within the Rays system. Um, one was an addition that came around the trade deadline when they signed uh, former Colorado Rocky, Boston Red Sox player. I think he played for a couple other teams. Rymel Tapia uh, to a minor league deal. And it was like really kind of went without fanfare. Like no one even reported on it. And then literally we found out because they saw him in the Bulls dugout. And like his hair is mm-hmm. just automatically it is spectacular. Spectacular um, hair. Tapia known as uh, definitely not a bat first guy. He's a below average hitter, but he's never had... Like his worst season at the plate was like a 75 WRC plus. He had a 74 WRC plus in here um, in Colorado. So he was still hitting like above 270 in those years, getting on base above a 300 clip. Uh, obviously, but that, you know, playing at cores, those WRC plus numbers are going to be a little bit lower. But decent outfielder, some decent speed. Um, the other two players that are with AAA right now um, that are very interesting. Uh, one is big league veteran and former, I, I would call him like he was a phenom type prospect for one reason and one reason only his legendary speed. 
He has got over 300 stolen, career stolen bases uh, in his big league career. That's Billy Hamilton. Um, he was another player signed to a minor league deal. And then maybe the next Billy Hamilton, if there's still room for guys like this in the major leagues in the modern day. Uh, Chandler Simpson, who was drafted by the Rays uh, last year in the second round uh, out of Georgia Tech. Um, he's been described as having like 90 grade speed. And uh, he was recently promoted to AAA Durham. Uh, Darby, any chance like with some of the injuries the Rays are dealing with now that one of these guys ends up on a postseason roster for the Rays? Yes, for sure. Uh, right now, the the big concern is outfielders, and the three people you listed all currently play in the outfield. Um, Luke Rayleigh just left with that that shoulder injury, and he only has had one at bat since he got hit or ran into somebody during batting practice. Don't exactly know what happened there, um, but it, it, he's going to be Cash. Kevin Cash said he's out. For some time, which Oof, the worst they they might they might have to amputate when he says yeah. some time that, that might be he might be losing the arm. Uh, and, and Siri, we don't know if he will be back, and if he does come back, what can he do? You know, is he a defense and base running? Can he throw? Can he hit? Like what? What's the level there? So you're down two of your fastest. Uh, yeah. fastest uh, players. So you're missing speed, you're missing bats, and you're missing uh, gloves. None of those players you mentioned can help you with the bats. So that's not what you worry about. But speed and glove, they can. And when it comes to October, you do kind of sometimes need a guy who can play a role. And there's been some legendary moments in October history that have all been based around somebody that's there just to do one thing. And that's to take over on the bases, make something happen, score the run that you remember forever. And so you look at Billy Hamilton and Chandler Simpson in particular, two guys whose speed is game breaking. Hamilton now is 31, 32. So not as fast as he once was, but still just turned 33 last week. 33. Still very fast. Um, still has that, but somebody that can absolutely come in. I I I think the Rays Chandler Simpson is would be crazy, right? Like that that would be crazy. However, the Rays have done some weird stuff like that. And we can look back to Kevin Kiermeyer, his debut. Out of nowhere, a player who was not really a prospect. He was not really a highly rated prospect because a lot of the tools that he does are not stuff that makes prospect ratings and lists, but somebody who did two things really well. He was an amazing defender. And he was very, very fast. And so sometimes that is who you want as your last guy on a bench. Maybe not a guy who... It's a little bit better of a hitter. Maybe not a guy who is a more complete player, but maybe it is Chandler Simpson who has almost a hundred stolen bases on the year in the minor leagues who could potentially change at least one game that he is used in. 
So will we see them? I don't know. I hope Siri and Rayleigh are able to come back. But if not, I could see them getting kind of crazy with it. So Billy Hamilton and Chandler Simpson clearly added to the AAA roster for a reason. Um, Billy Hamilton and Chandler, like Rymel Tapia can hit at the big league level. Like he is not an automatic out. Billy Hamilton and Chandler Simpson at this point, I would have to consider automatic outs going up against, like if you had to get, put the bat in their hands. So like Tapia definitely isn't a, like a, he's not going to go out there and just automatically steal and automatically be safe. Uh, but if you are looking for someone with a little more versatility, he would make a little more sense. I don't know. You've got like Cameron Misner down there as well. It just seems unlikely, uh, but we have seen like when they put Harold Ramirez out there, the defense, not good. Like not something you want to have to do in October. Um, Curtis Mead, like what role do you use him in? Jonathan Aranda. It You get to the point where you're like, we need to have someone where if we're up late in a game, we can throw in the outfield. You'd also don't have a Greg Jones. He's hurt. Um, so that would be the other guy. I think that would probably get that consideration um, for having amazing speed. You can cover a lot of ground in the outfield. I don't know. It seems unlikely. I hope Luke Rayleigh's okay, but it is something to keep an eye on because uh, maybe they bring them up to play some regular season games just to get them mm. acclimated. Um, you could call one of, like, I don't know, is the 40-man full? If Luke Rayleigh goes, I mean, everyone on our IL right now is on the 60-day. Um, you could you could DFA one of the pitchers. I don't know, like Cole Sulser, who we still haven't seen. Chris Devensky, who we still haven't seen. Or no, we have seen him, and he was terrible. Uh, you could DFA a Jalen <laughs> Beeks, a Tristan Gray. I don't know. Like, you can make 40-man room. Is that something the Rays want to do? I don't know. So, I don't think it's anything we need to be thinking too much about, but it is something to keep on your radar as Rays fans. Listen, I, if if they called up Chandler Simpson tomorrow, that would be one of the most exciting and, like, weird choices. So, I, I would be all about it, but... Uh... I think right now the the goal, because for the last few, uh, the last week and a half is just kind of maintaining and hopefully ever, nobody else goes down with injury. So I don't think yeah. we're going to see uh, Rayleigh go to the IL. We're probably not going to see a replacement for him right now because you can run with 25 man. They were doing it all season, so they'll be fine. But uh, yeah, come come October, I think there could be some interesting stuff. So we'll we'll have to save the rest of that fun stuff for the next show. For sure. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. If you like what we do on this podcast feed, make sure to subscribe so you get every new episode downloaded directly to your device on your preferred podcast platform. As always, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to check out all of that great race coverage, including uh, a rundown on everything stadium related. I believe Danny Russell's been on top of that. Once again, thank you guys for listening. And we'll talk to you next week.